Coming up on this edition of the Reenactors Corner podcast, we talk about road trips and ask, how far would you drive to take part in a reenactment? Before we get going, though, just a quick thank you to all of our new Patreon subscribers who've pledged their support. We will name check you at the end of this episode. Thanks to you and everyone else who supports us. Here's our next episode. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Reenactors Corner Podcast. This is Chris here once again. Our topic today is going to be road trips and how that relates to reenacting. And uh, who better to have on this episode than the reenacting road dog himself, Benjamin Longfellow Tracy. Ben, thanks for coming on again. Pleasure to be here. All right, so uh, let's just jump right into this. Basically... um, why is it that we're doing a podcast episode about road trips? Why are road trips like integral to reenacting? Well, look, the simple reality is that um, if you're going to do reenacting on any scale, if you're going to do more than you know a couple of events a year, for most people in most places, you're going to have to travel to yeah, get to events. Yeah, big time, big time. And um, so, like, for speaking for me personally. Um, most of, probably most of the reenactments that I do are hours away. I mean, basically all of them are hours away. Yeah, I mean, when was the last time there was an event that was like at least less than an hour away? I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe if, if we did, uh, Stowe. Sure, sure. There's like one event I can think of that happens in Eastern Massachusetts now, um, that I don't usually go to, but that if I were to go to it, it would be within an hour. But basically... Nothing else. Nothing right? else. And when I'm talking about local events, I'm talking about an event that is two hours away. Yeah, our site out in western Massachusetts uh, with uh, with the bunker, you know. And that's uh, like a local one is the two-hour drive. Sure. So, you know, I guess the question is, how far is reasonable to go? How far would you go? Well, I mean, look, I've been, I've been to events in Europe. I've been, I went to an event in Indiana this this summer. Granted, that was the farthest I think I traveled in the states for an event. Um, I don't really like to drive more than four hours by myself if I can damn well help it. Um, it's nice to have other people with you, you know, just to have conversation in case something goes wrong, you know, to break up the monotony of it. Um, that said, I think that's also kind of a cultural thing. Like, I'm from New England. Um, most stuff is within four hours drive. I know, you know, there's some people from different parts of the country and the world who, you know, four-hour drive is nothing. And sure. so that's kind of like a relative thing. Maybe we can talk about that a bit later. But, yeah, I mean, I think I'm willing to drive 10 or 12 hours to an event. That's probably my maximum. You know, that puts me, you know, I've, like, and I'd, I'd like to travel with at least one other person if I were to do that. Sure. For me, I think a six-hour drive is totally reasonable. Yeah, you know, same. I would not um, balk at any event based on distance if it's within a six-hour radius. The, the one thing, too, I will say is, and we're talking about this not, not so long ago, I think, but um, I think that basically, you know, 
you have to add time. Like, if as the crow flies, a site is six hours away, you're, it's probably, it's probably going to take you eight hours to get there. Oh, yeah. Because, like, traffic, you know? Stops. Um, stops. Meals, you know? Like, stop for gas, you know? Stop to stretch your legs. Um, stop because you see something cool, you know? Like, I think as the crow flies, what is it, like... Fort Mifflin in Philadelphia, where we, you know, go, are going early next year is what, like five hours away or something, you know? Yeah, it's. It's always taking us like seven hours to go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I agree. I mean, I'll, if, if an event is eight hours away, I will uh, consider it. If an event is ten hours away, I will consider it if it's going. If I think it's going to be something that's really special and outstanding. Same. Uh, my criteria for going long distance to an event is I want to go to something that I think is going to have a big showing, um, and ideally that has some kind of a gimmick, some kind of a cool site that we don't normally get in Massachusetts. Um, like you know, different geography, like something like a building, like the Stalingrad site. Um, yeah, like not to like denigrate it, but like a gimmick, you know, yeah. and I don't mean a gimmick in like a cheap, you know, stupid way, but like there's got to be a hook. Or yeah, something, yeah, right? there's got to be something that you don't see every day, you know, yeah. it's like what gets people in the circus tent, you know? Right, yeah, so, it can't It can't be the just, everyday event. Yeah, it can't be, like, it can't be just woods, or if it is, there's got to be a lot of people in those woods, you know, sure. coming from all over. Sure. Um, yeah, like... And, for for me personally, when an event is more than ten hours away, I'm basically writing it off, you know. Mm-hmm. And I understand that uh, there are going to be people that are going to scoff at that and say, "Well, I always sure. travel a minimum of twelve hours for every event yeah. that I go to." My hats off to those people. Sure, Surely, but um... I don't. I don't need to do that personally. Where I live and my reenactment style, there's plenty of events sure. within a six-hour radius and certainly with the occasional, you know, further. And, and like you mentioned, though, when I'm saying 10 hours, I'm like, I'm saying that's that's Google Maps telling me it's going to take 10 yeah. hours. And that's going to take more than 10 hours. And not to beat this to death, but um, I mean, I, I think we're fortunate to live where we are. I think because sure. we do have, you know, events that are, you know, between two and six hours driving distance. Um, Regularly scheduled. You know, both of us also have been reenacting for years yeah. and have the benefit of, like, you know, I look at an event and it could be, look very appealing, yeah. but maybe it's more than 10 hours away, and the reality is is that I, maybe I've never done that event, but I've done enough events that are like that. Sure, sure, you know, that sure. There's, there's not that much. Once you've, been, once you've been through several seasons of reenacting yeah. and seen events come and go and done, uh, you know, a variety of different events, you kind of get a handle on... Pretty much, I mean, and yeah. most events are are pretty much relatable to other events. Sure, you know, totally one hundred percent. They have their own. Um, they all have their own unique character, and you yeah. know, I would never say that it's. I never say I'd seen it all, right? Or that it it would be impossible for there to be an event that. Yeah. I mean, I would never say that it would be impossible for there to be an event that would be something totally new. Sure. But most of the time, it's it's not. Yeah. 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 Um. So let's talk about like some practical aspects of this. Um, and I guess, you know, we, we, Ben, you and I have got, traveled to events together countless times. times. Countless times. Um, you know, so we're, we're going to have some kind of anecdotes that we can draw on here a, a little stories. bit. Um, but like, okay, so um, the, the, the strategies of traveling to an event via a road trip. Um, you know, there is a lot of subjectivity here, 
Um, to me, it kind of depends on the event sure. and and w- what time we're allowed to arrive, what time yeah. other units yeah. are arriving. Yeah. There yeah. are so yeah. many variables that go into Pretty it. Pretty much, yeah. But I'm looking at every event as a unique thing, a unique situation, who I'm riding with, yeah. you know, and, and I'm thinking, okay, do I want to... Um, do I want to leave in the morning and drive through the day or do I want to leave at night or do I want to try to do it as a straight shot and make the best possible time? Sure. Or am I going to plan in hours uh, for, you know, uh, meals or am I just going to make it totally free form and figure, well, if I decide I want to take a hundred mile detour to do sightseeing, I'm just going to do it. I think we've done them all. We've done them all. Um, so, you know, like, um, I've 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 also done events where I have ridden with many 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 other people right sure. like for for years of my reenacting career I didn't even have a car yeah so I was totally at the whim of yep. other people who could drive me to the event and there were people who were absolute fiends about um, getting to the event at yep. the earliest possible moment. And and making the drive time as short as possible. So like, sure. you know, like, like piss in a bottle in the car yep. type of yep. stuff. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Versus, you know, the the opposite of that. I also have have enjoyed. And to me, all of those strategies have their place. They, true. I agree with this. I agree with this. I mean, personally, a lot of times, if I'm really excited about the event, I just want to get there. There's times where you know, I hate to sound like I'm not. I'm not. I'm not super excited though. I'm not. I don't have the same level of excitement for every event. If I don't, if I know where I think an event is going to be something really special, I want to get there. I don't want to like dilly dally. You know, I just want to get there. But that said, if maybe it's a site that I've been to before, maybe I do want to take a sightseeing trip. You know, like go out of my way to see something. Sure. So yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like uh, to me the. The terrain that I'm going to be traveling through plays a part of that. Time of year, too. Dude. Time of year, for sure. Snow, snow. I mean, even rain in the summer, you got to factor that in. Like, I've driven in some dangerous conditions going to events and coming back and whatnot, you know? There were times, I remember one time in particular, uh, I was supposed to be going to an event in Pennsylvania in January, yeah. and... Uh, I had all of my stuff packed. It was all on my porch. Yep. It was outside, ready to go. Yep. And I am waiting for the guy who's giving me a ride. I am waiting for him to just show up, and I'm going to load all of my stuff into his van, yep. and we're going to go, and the phone rings, and it's him. Okay. He says, hey, there's really bad snowstorms in Pennsylvania. Why don't we just plan on trying again tomorrow? Touch base tomorrow, and we'll see how we feel about it. And I got off the phone with him, and I'm like... I'm like, this is totally unacceptable. Like, I'm plan. I was planning on being at the spot in six yeah. hours. Like, yep, yep, there was yep, like a yep, bunch yep. of stuff riding on it too. Like, sure. I had to secure. There was like a whole bunch of first come, first served aspects. And I, so I called the unit commander, and I said, "Hey, this is what happened." And he's like, "You need to get to the event. Like, do what you have to do. Do or die, dude." So I wound up taking my own car, which I had been planning on. Uh, letting my wife use the car. This was back when we only had one car between us yeah. before we were married. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. so it's like, hey, sorry, but I'm going to be, you know, you're going to be without wheels now for five days. You've got a 30-minute window where you can go to the grocery store or whatever, plan on basically being bounced to the home, and then I'm going to go. And if the um, the roads were covered with ice, and sure. there were they were stranded vehicles on yeah. both sides of the road. Would I do that today? Probably not. Yeah. Do I regret my choice? No. You know, like I did what I had to do in the moment. Oh my god. 
Wow. Well, sometimes that's how it is where sure. you've got other people like reenacting is a team sport. Basically. Totally. I mean, you've totally. got, you know, you need to have your guys in place at yeah. certain times. And when something like yeah. that falls through. Yeah. If there's like look, an integral dude who like has I all know this stuff. You should not risk your life to attend uh, make believe dress up time. Right. But I believe we both have. We have. <laughs> and I may, and I may someday again, mm-hmm. you know, because, uh, look, I made it to the yeah. event safe. That's yeah. a fact. But, yep, but it was yep. a nerve-wracking ride. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Talking about, like, when to leave. Um, you know, if, if it's a beautiful time of year yeah. and I'm driving through a beautiful rural area, there's certain times when I want to do that drive in daylight yeah. to enjoy the fall, it, to you savor know, it. Like, yeah, I totally agree. That I event totally agree. that we used to do in uh, Stanford, Vermont, where you take Route 2, God, which is... so pretty, dude. It's like a real scenic road yeah. through, I don't know, is it the Berkshires out there? It's a yeah, it is range. the Berkshires, yeah. It's just so pretty, and... Yeah, uh, I love Route 2, It takes in place the in the fall, and it's just like, I want to do that drive in daylight. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, um, like when we drove to the Stalingrad event... That was like the turnpike, like the whole way, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, I like you know, I, I don't, I don't regard that drive as being all that scenic. There's some parts of it that were, but uh, yeah, we drove through the night. I think the last one we did, it was actually really crazy how um, we left after work, and on like the eve of COVID, as like the world is holding its breath and like what's gonna happen next, and like weird shit is starting to escalate. We drove through the night to get to that event, and we were so tired when we got there, we just fell asleep immediately. <laughs> sure. Um, what but, we, we got the event started at what seven thirty in the morning? Yeah, something like that. And we like got there right after the organizers. You know, like they were getting out of their car. You know, as we pulled up. As we pulled at up, seven thirty yep. zero zero or yep. whatever. Yep. You know yep. what I mean? And like they were the look. Of shock on their faces you know like holy <laughs> hell there's people here already <laughs> from from massachusetts, from massachusetts too, yep. is, you know however many hundreds of miles and yeah that was on a wednesday far. dude we well, left on a tuesday night yeah that that's a 10 hour drive yeah. if you do it straight and uh we and i think we did it straight, mostly you know? straight yeah um thinking also about leaving at night i remember one time going to an event that was six hours away yeah. and we had kind of left it open to be like well maybe we'll go tomorrow yeah. um you know we'll figure out when we're gonna go and depending on what time i get out of work or whatever yeah. and I, yeah. I decided yeah. okay yeah. we're gonna leave tomorrow morning and then i don't know if it was like nine o'clock at night or something i'm like thinking of the prospect of going to sleep and yeah. like the anticipation for the event and sure. i know i'm just going to be laying there and it's like yeah why not just go right now sure and sure. so we got to the sure. site at four o'clock in the morning or whatever i love that yeah i love that i love getting at, at getting to an event site early if it's allowed something that i really dislike doing is like getting to an event site like at dark, but, like, when it just got dark, you know? Sure. Actually, getting to an event site when it's dark in general. Because I, 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 even though I try to organize my stuff, you know, perfectly in the car, I feel like I always leave something in the car, you know? And then, like, getting getting into bed at night, like, you have to have, you know, some sort of illum- illumination, ideally multiple, ideally, like, a lantern and a pocket flashlight. 
but I just I love arriving in daytime because then I, I can account for everything and get everything set up where I know it's going to be for the camping aspect. It's a nightmare getting all your stuff out of the car in the night. I hate it. Because I hate it, you're going to you drop something on the ground yeah. and the next morning you find it it's covered with dew, you stepped on it, you know what yeah. I mean? Or you lose it. Dude. Or you never find yeah, it. Yeah, or you never find it. And uh, yeah, like I actually so I mean the last Haydenville event that we did, I so I was basically in the middle of a move. I had been to Haydenville before. I wasn't super enthusiastic about it. I mean, like, I wasn't super enthusiastic about, you know, this particular event because, you know, I just, I was busy. And so I had the option of leaving at night after, you know, working and doing some stuff or arriving or leaving very early the next morning. And I chose the, to sleep in my bed and leave in the morning. Yeah. And that was all right. Um, that worked out for me for that time. Um, you know, like, speaking of, like, the ride to the event, I personally have a hard and fast rule that I never wear my uniform in the car, uh, driving or, or being a passenger going to the event. I will make an exception to that if I am going to be arriving to an event, if, if I'm going to be an event and not stopping, and I'm going to be, like, if it's, like, two hours away, I don't really plan on stopping, um, I won't obviously put my tunic on. And I'll just like look like a weird man, you know, because I just I hate changing in the car. In the it's dark. a nightmare to change in the car yeah. outside the car. Yeah, I I will do it though because yeah. I just um, I don't know. There's just too much that can happen on the road. When I am traveling, doing a road trip to an event, so more than two hours away, every aspect of what's in my car, what I'm wearing, even the music that I'm listening to, yeah. is like carefully thought about in advance sure and uh like i want to wear clothes that are going to provide like maximum comfort as well as um maybe project the image that i want to project which most of the time is going to be that somebody would basically look right through me or not sure you know sure sure um sure for the most part yeah um i agree with that you know because i just don't want to attract attention to myself because um there are there are aspects of state laws that I frankly don't know anything about. Sure. Where, you know, it, it, it can be crazy what um, what laws you might inadvertently break. You know, obviously I, I would I would encourage people to to read up on these laws, but at the same time, I don't know some, the way some laws are written for for like international listeners here. A lot of laws about transporting firearms and ammunition is like a state-by-state thing. And where I live in Massachusetts, if I drive uh, more than like two hours in any direction, I'm in another state. And then I, and sometimes I could drive three hours away and go through four states or something. And And they all have different laws. And the laws might have changed. And they might have changed. And also the way that some of these laws are written, in my opinion, are very much open to interpretation. Yeah. And I don't want to be the test case. And I don't want to be... Also, like, I may not even be breaking the law, but if the police officer feels like he has to cover his ass and make an arrest and let the court figure out whether or not something that I had was ammunition or whether or not it was secured, you know, so it's just like... I think in Massachusetts, blank ammunition is considered to be live ammunition versus in other states it is not. spent cartridge casings, I believe, technically are ammunition in Massachusetts. And so to have that, you need to have a firearms identification card, which is a state-issued firearm license but it's like you have to get that for through, through your police department you know but meanwhile yeah. i can go to you know some novelty store at the mall and buy like a bullet necklace mm. that's a, a sp- 
spent round with a with yeah. a bullet pressed into it or whatever as yeah. a keychain or whatever. But that's technically illegal to have unless you have this firearms identification. Yeah, card. it's weird. So it's weird. What are the likely? What's the likelihood that you're going to get arrested by a police officer for having some obvious novelty key, keychain thing? I think it's small, but it technically exists. It's like you know? a not zero chance. Yeah. Or like he finds some other issue with you and he's looking, you know, to uh, to prosecute, you well, know. Well, that's just it, man. Like, yeah. you know, there's – I'm not a lawyer. I'm not yeah. giving legal advice to anybody here. But um, I think like probably like most people have things in their home that are technically illegal. And, sure. and probably a huge percentage of people have something in their car that they're really not supposed to have. Sure. It could technically be some kind of violation of one law or another. So yeah. uh, when I am traveling for a reenactment, I just feel like, mm. you know, the potential for a a traffic stop to, to go a weird direction, because let's face it, I've got I've got some kind of weapon in there. Yeah, I've got a bayonet in there. Yeah. I've got yeah. blanks in there theoretically, and I also have like you know Nazi regalia in yeah. there basically. And depending on the disposition of the guy who is is looking in my car, sure. I mean, I I hide anything. I make. I make everything in the car look so if if a, if a, if I were to get pulled over, which I drive the speed limit, I drive very carefully. If I were to get pulled no, over, you don't. well, I can't. I, can't, I, I mean, can't. look, I I mean the speed limit, meaning like the speed of the speed of traffic. Well, yeah. or like I I I think the chance of you getting pulled over for speed and going seventy five in a sixty five mile an hour zone in the area where I live and travel is like pretty same, remote. Same, same. Although, like in some states like Virginia, they get you they get you going ten over. They'll 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 you know. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I know that in yeah. certain communities and stuff, and yeah. look, uh, ten over in a thirty-five mile an hour zone can be a very different thing. Yeah, too, yeah, even here, I've, right? I've, so, I've gotten, I've gotten that before. Um, yep, you know, yep, I'm, yep. I'm very conscious of all of this stuff. I just, I take it all very seriously when I'm doing this road trip. I enjoy the reenacting Same. road trip. Um, but I plan for it to make it as enjoyable as possible and as risk-free as possible. So I arrange everything in my car so that anything that's obviously military is on the bottom and hidden. And what's on the top is maybe like blankets or stuff where if I were to be asked, where are you going? I'd say I'm going on a camping trip. And you would look into my car and see what appears to be gear for a weekend camping. I'll comment on one on one facet of that. So going to the event, yes, I'm the same way. Coming back from the event, I feel like it's especially if you know there's a hurry to leave. It's just sort of a free for all of everything. Like obviously, I put the guns at the bottom, but like you know, I'll you know, it it will be just like yeah. the order in which I put the things in the car. You know, like well, there's there's variables here too, right? Like sure. how much sleep did I get the night before, you know? and how many bottles of vodka were consumed the night before? <laughs> exactly, dude. Exactly. You because know? in certain situations, I feel like I'm basically just lucky to be alive and it's like <laughs> if my stuff is in the car yeah then like, we're good yeah like it was 15 degrees you know sure. like we were like freezing you know like may have may have fallen asleep for 20 minutes at one point you know right. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned like the concept of wanting somebody in the car with you for longer trips i think sure. that is what you know, we, we are lucky The guys in our group who live local to us are all lucky that we can carpool to events. And depending on um, the event and the situation, I might be able to choose between yep. different drivers. I may drive and have someone as a passenger, sure. you know, depending on the condition of my vehicle, everybody's vehicle. That's one of the things to me that is so valuable about being in a reenactment group. I feel extremely strongly about this. Um, I believe that, you know... I've gotten to know my closest friends, Chris included, 
you know, in reenacting through road trips. Um, like, Chris, I met you going on a road trip to Fort Mifflin. That's true. Um, you know, like, I met Jenya when she gave me a ride to Gap. And, you know, it was like, I put out like an ad on Facebook uh, saying I was going to this event and she agreed to take me. And it was snowing and, you know, she was new to New England and came up from Florida and did not know how to drive in snow, and I thought I was going to die, you know? Like, that was, you know, it was like a cool experience. And then uh, Ricky, too, has been on the podcast long ago, really nice guy. But, like, the first time I met him, I, like, gave him a ride to the airport, and it was kind of out of the way, but, you know, now he's a really good friend of mine. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think it's essential, like, in meeting people, just, like, do you get along with this person when you're stuck, when, when you're stuck in a car with them? That says a lot about the person... And, you know, like, your compatibility and whatnot. Well, there's, like, a certain, yeah. like, mystique of the road, right? Yeah, there's like dude. a yeah. uh, There's something about it, a romance or... Yeah. It, I think it probably harkens back to, like, the earliest days of humanity when people were, like, migrating, following wild game. Oh, uh, yeah. Know? And uh, yeah. there is something about just, like travel you know putting up the miles behind you yeah and and also the the vagaries of the road and that the, there's always some going level of on a journey an adventure it's, exactly you know? it's like a mystical yeah. quest yeah yeah exactly you know like i remember you know the first time i went to stalingrad like we you know we you know we drove we like drove the night we got there and then we get we roll up to the site and the car is a flat tire you know, and I'm just like, I was so excited to be there because I see this cool factory and we have to go spend two hours at a, t at a tire shop, you know, getting a new tire. I just like, stuff can happen and it's good to have people there with you in case something happens, you know? Totally. Sometimes I will always choose, I will always choose riding with someone or uh, whether I'm riding as a passenger and someone else is driving or if I'm driving, I would yeah. like to have a passenger. But in some cases, it's, that's not possible sure. for whatever reason. And in those cases, I kind of get into my own mental zone and sure, sure. try to make the most Music, of it in my own know, way. Yep, yeah, you think yep. about it to make, you know, where am I going to stop? And there's also like, uh, you know, if, if it's just you. Yeah. You don't have to worry about stopping because someone else needs to use the bathroom. Pretty you don't much, have to. Yeah. There's no discussion about where you want to eat. It's totally at your own whim, and that can be fun too. Pretty much, yeah. You can listen to a podcast. You know, you can call people, music. You know, all this stuff. But I will. I would always choose to fit as many people in the vehicle as possible. You sure. Know, I can think of many fun trips that I've done in in a larger vehicle with four people plus gear and it's fun to travel with a crew like that the more the merrier you get to find out what other people's music uh what other people what music other people like you know like funny stories are shared um you know like somebody like might bring some snack you've never had before which you really like you know that sort of stuff like, somebody might know some facts, you know, about something that you didn't know before that they might point out, and you, you learn something. Like, all this stuff. Well, you know, there's, like, a certain kind of person that usually that, like, does World War II reenacting. Yeah. And that person is pretty much a nerd, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah. you get a bunch of nerds together who are all nerds on one subject, and it's like, there's not a shortage of, like, things to talk about. You know I what I mean? I strongly agree. I strongly agree. I know, I sometimes have thought about it like, man, if people could listen to a recording of this conversation in a car, you know, what would they say? You know what I mean? Because <laughs> uh, it can just be like, you know, just talking about 
Like, I personally don't get into, like, the historiography of naval battles or whatever. But it's like, you get people who are interested in, like, battleships or whatever. Like, you get this unimaginable level of technical stuff. You're calling me out, dude. Well, it's like, I've seen it done, right? Because, like, <laughs> our friend Nick Hardenberg, you know what I mean? Like, there's, yeah. like, a whole subset yeah. of interests. Yeah. Of... yeah, totally, dude. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, Ben uh, Ben likes to listen to podcasts that are about like naval battles and stuff. Uh, so in the process, in the course of traveling in Ben's car, many hundreds of miles, you know, I have I have come to know some things about naval battles, dreadnoughts, yeah. and the Great White Fleet, <laughs> all of these things. But in, speaking of like carpooling, there's like kind of another version of that, which is the convoy, mm. which I've also done many times, and that is a style that I really enjoy. And there's multiple ways to do this too sure. where you can have either a very strict convoy where the understanding is is that you know everyone is spaced and in line and when one person stops you all stop and i used to do this where we would have uh, walkie talkies yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's some stories there but uh and then you could have like a really loose convoy where it's like we're gonna leave from eastern new england around the same time and then every hour or a couple of hours, maybe there's a text that goes out. Yeah. Where are you guys at? Hey, I'm thinking of stopping at this restaurant yeah. if you guys are around. And then maybe it's like, oh, I'm only 15 minutes from there or whatever. So you can kind of have a communal meal and then it's back onto and arrive when you arrive. Loose convoys is my preference just because, you know, there is a relief to like driving alongside my vehicle. You know, if like, you know, you've got a flat tire, the other car is going to pull over, you know. But that said... I feel like with a like a you know a strict convoy, you have to corral the cars, you know, and time is added because you're corralling the cars. I'm the other about. aspect of a strict convoy is that a strict convoy, you're usually doing it because of some stress-inducing situation already. Yeah. Like we're going to convoy because this trailer is unsafe, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So like yeah. it's almost like in war or in like Western movies where it's like you convoy because there is an external threat. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know and it's like, like I would only choose that method where it's like one of these vehicles is not expected to yeah. survive. You're going to get attacked by you know hostile natives or highway highwaymen. You highwaymen, know? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh. Um, so yeah, I like the I like the loose convoy too. But it's good to know yeah. when you're on the road. If my car were to break down, yeah, totally. you know that I wouldn't be totally alone. Yeah, totally alone. That there's someone within sixty miles exactly who, who could divert their course and rescue me or whatever. Yeah, because you know? like you know, I got a lot of friends locally here in New England. But like, who do I know in like? Upstate New York, you know, like sure, between here and Ohio. Yeah, between here and Ohio. There's areas yeah. of, of nothing and nobody. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, sure, you can get your car towed, right? Maybe you have AAA, yeah. maybe you don't. You're going to yeah. deal with yeah. it. But yeah. like, you're going to get your car towed with like maybe guns in it and stuff. You know what I mean? So even then, it's like, even if you do have to have valuable a car towed, stuff, yeah, too, it would be you better know? to have like, someone else like... come first and take the stuff that is sensitive yeah. that you don't want going to god knows where because so, yeah. you're not going to be able to go to your local mechanic yeah. that you trust it's some whoever's open or whatever yeah, exactly 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 um, so i strongly agree on that so there, there the, another aspect of the road trip is packing the vehicle Oh, the, Which, re, the, uh, the, 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 what is it, reenactment Jenga, you know? Yeah, or yeah. reenacting Tetris yeah, or whatever. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. This is, this is something that is, takes some, some for, foresight. Usually. Some people are extremely good at it. I've seen people who are, you know, shockingly good at it. And, like, I actually, I like to be, Chris knows this, I like to be able to see at the back window of my car. If I can't, it's fine, but I just feel less secure, you know? So I like to be able to see, look look over, see at the back, not just rely on my mirrors, you know? In case of, like, blind spots. 
Sure. And so, like, you know, I can get it where, you know, if I throw everything in, it's just a heap of stuff. It's a, it's a mound. But, like, if I, if, I, if I play the Tetris right, I can, you know, it saves space. Maybe we can even fit another person in there, you know? Sure. Yeah, it's, it's uh, unbelievable how much space you can save when you pack smart about it. You know, I, I thought about getting one of those, like, uh, tulip pods, you know what those I mean? Those are cool. Roof. Yeah. You know, like... I, I don't have, like, a roof rack on my car. I think you need one to get one, but, like... I think you could put one on. I think you could put a roof rack yeah. on or something. Yeah. I've seen people with these tiny trailers. I've seen people with a pod that goes on the back, yeah. like the hatchback. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, ben, yeah, 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 what, yeah. What kind of... What, what is your car? Would you describe your vehicle? It's a CRV, so, like, a crossover, you know. Um, it's... It's fairly spacious, actually. Uh, it's like a small SUV? Yeah, or I, like I a just, station wagon? I think it's called a crossover technically, yeah, but basically like a small means. SUV, you know, like it's larger than a hatchback, it's smaller than an SUV. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I drive I drive a hatchback. Yeah. And I chose the hatchback largely for reenacting purposes. I got a hatchback <laughs> where the seats go down, the back of the car yeah. opens, and the particular car that I chose was at the time the hatchback with the largest cargo capacity. Nice. And so I was, you know, these were factors when I was choosing my vehicle. I chose it with reenacting in mind. Same. And I can fit tons of reenactment yeah. stuff yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I chose my vehicle with reenacting in in mind as well. Like, you know, I, I might like the aesthetic of a sedan a little bit better, but I'm not going to be able to fit the same amount of stuff. Same. I mean, like a sedan is theoretically larger than my car, but would not fit the same amount of stuff. Exactly. I can fit in like big furniture items and stuff yeah. with stuff that I like my field desk, right? Things that I may need yeah. to bring to certain reenactment yeah. events. Um, Good stuff. And then sometimes there have been times when... Uh, we, you know, not necessarily me, but our team has had to rent a vehicle. Yeah, which I for regard like the larger kind of events, a, a last resort thing. Sure, totally. But like for an event like you know the former Fort Indian Town Gap, where there was a lot of stuff, I, I thought that was very good. I mean, we had a, a building there that we were converting into like a functional World War II office. Yeah, and part of that conversion meant filling the room with an appropriate amount of furniture to make it look like yeah. a place that has been lived in and used every day, you know, where people are working every sure. day. And so it was a lot, a lot of stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, our... Our team did it. Yeah. yeah. He, and, I mean, uh, pe people listening to this uh, know who they are in terms of who, like, came up with the money and stuff because it, there is a, a cost associated with this that on some level can be can be spread around but on another level maybe uh some people give according to their means or whatever you yeah, know yeah, yeah and yeah, so yeah. um that's like a last resort thing i mean i think about uh mike snyder he has a truck which he got i bet he got that truck so because he oh, yeah. needs to haul reenactment the people's stuff. transport the people well <laughs> he, he used to have a minivan that was the people's transport <laughs> I thought this is the sort of spiritual success of the people's yeah, transport. Yeah, but it's it's not like called the, the people's transport. But he mm. has that trailer that goes behind the the truck. <laughs> and that trailer is I mean, I don't know how they could do the, the camp display that they do without yeah. without Mike's trailer. Yeah. It's a remarkable thing. And uh I mean I think unless you have done it these big displays, these big camp displays or, or barracks impressions, yeah. you take it for granted. 
Totally. Even if you're looking at it and thinking, wow, that's a lot of stuff, that's a lot of tents, like, you have no idea how hard it is. And uh, imagine those big squat tents, you know, how they fit into a vehicle, like the poles, you know, where does the canvas go, like... And everything that goes inside the tent, and all the furniture, and everything that's there, all has to be stored by somebody. It's a feat, dude, it takes a team, you know? It takes a team. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't, it's not my style to do it anymore, but I mean, I still tip my hat to people who do and do it, you know, go all in it, you know? Sure. Um, I try, I try not to do it, but sometimes, you know, yeah. sometimes it falls on, on me or, you know, sometimes it might fall on you, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Um, yeah. depending on who's going, you know, every event has its own unique um, considerations. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. Time of year, etc. all that stuff, what you're going to bring. One aspect of a road trip that I always kind of look forward to is the food. Totally, dude. And getting to try different kinds of food that are in different parts of the country. So this is a little anecdote from when I, I met uh, Chris and also Chris Sterling, who's a you know, regular guest and a core member of our group. But um, so the first event I ever did with Chris and Chris was actually, it was Fort Mifflin in early December of 2015. Six um, years ago. A million years That's ago. That's wild. Yeah. Um, but, anyways, um, so, when I was a kid, I was, you know, I think, what was I, 19 years old then? I didn't eat a lot of fast food as a kid, you know? And, you know, when I, I started eating fast food when I was a teenager, but, like, there weren't a lot of options around there. So, there was, I think we left the events on, like, uh, on, like, a Saturday night, and, you know, we were going home after having a really fun time, and... There was, we determined through looking at GPS that there was a Chick-fil-A and an Arby's nearby. And there was, you know, like, somebody thought, joking, like, somebody mentioned, I thought they were joking, that we should do both. And so we go to the Chick-fil-A, I have a delicious chicken sandwich, I'm stuffed. And then we get in the car, and I think we're about to get in the highway. And then, we, you know, we start moving, and then we stop in front of the Arby's. And I'm shocked, I'm like, but, but we just ate. <laughs> And uh, and Chris Sterling turns to me, and he looks at me deadpan, and he's just like, you're on with the big boys now. <laughs> so we have this concept now of the uh, the bang, bang, where you go to, you hit two restaurants, ideally in, you know, relatively rapid succession. Yeah, you know? two meals back yeah, to back. two meals back to back. Um, uh, do you want to tell the good people uh, the, the, the origin of the term gut load? Uh, well, I do this thing that I call the gut load <laughs> on the way to the event. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Where, you know, the thing about what, what this is is the concept that once I arrive at the event, um, I'm eating period correct f- food yep. rations. Yep. In theory, the food should be limited. You yeah. know, that's the, the It might not even of, be that good, you know. It could be disgusting. Yeah. It could be disgusting, and it also could be completely absent. Yeah. You know, like, I will bring, like, you know, something, yeah. but there have been times that I have more or less relied on what the event provided, and the event didn't, sure. for one reason or another, whether I didn't get it, whether they just yeah. totally dropped the ball, but there's basically no food. So events can be very hungry things. Yeah. And that can be part of the realism of a reenactment yeah. event. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. I want to kind of insure myself against the misery that comes with extreme hunger yeah. so i will perform a a routine known as the gut load where yeah. i am just eating as many calories basically you know more calories than what one would regard as reasonable um you know i might go to 
a fast food restaurant yeah. and get go completely wild. I might yeah. go to two fast food restaurants. Yeah. Um, you know, milkshakes, the super yeah. size everything, multiple sandwiches. Give me all your sandwiches. Uh, <laughs> 50 cheeseburgers a day. 50, I eat 50 cheeseburgers. The reason why I call this the gut load is from, uh, I used to have a pet lizard. And uh, <laughs> the lizard would eat crickets. And you could dust the crickets with vitamins and make them more nutritious. But you could pack even more nutrients into the cricket <laughs> if you would put uh, dust them like the vitamins on the cricket's food mm. and then have the cricket eat the vitamins. And then so the cricket was literally packed with vitamins and that was a gut load for the cricket. And I so I, that, in this dude. way, pack my own gut, not with vitamins, but with meat and fats yeah. and, and carbohydrates. Also, too, we got to talk about German restaurants. Like, there's a couple of places out in Western Massachusetts that we always hit. Sure. Well, there's. Uh, I love German food. Yeah. Uh, it's not just because I do World War II German reenacting. I think that that food style is fantastic. Sure. Schnitzel, you know. Yeah, sauerbraten. Yeah. I mean, uh, just the Bratkartoffeln. Yeah. Um, different kinds of wurst. You yeah, know. different kinds of dumplings or whatever yeah. it is. Um, and w- that with like a tall glass of German beer, and yeah, that's like dude. an ultimate meal. So, sure. um, unfortunately. Um, the area, the immediate area in which I live is ex- is totally devoid of such restaurants. Deserts of German restaurants. It, it makes, me, makes me miserable. Yeah. Uh, so you've got to drive at least an hour and a half. Yeah. But when I'm doing a road trip, I am acutely aware of where German restaurants are in relation mm. to where I am. Mm. And uh, I love trying new German restaurants. Sure. But uh, I love the German restaurants that I know. Sure, sure. Good stuff, dude. Good stuff. And there's there can be stores, there can be different things. You, oh, yeah. know, you see an antique store, you know, like you know. So I mean, I I'd never seen the Great Lakes until I went to a reenactment. You know, like Erie, I blew my mind. Like, how is something that big not like an ocean? How is it fresh water? Um, yeah, so just yeah, and like, you can do sightseeing exactly. You know, because you are going, you yeah. know, to places that. One of the things I love so much about reenacting is that reenacting takes me to cool places that I never sure. ever in my whole life would have gone. Sure, absolutely beautiful scenery I never would have seen. We saw Gettysburg this summer. I mean, I saw it when we were going to um, that uh, Smolensk event. We saw all these cool Civil War battlefields. We stopped in Louisville, Kentucky, and had some bourbon. You know, like sure. just it's it opens up doors to like you know places. Just like going through mountains, like you know, going across plains. That going back to that, like you know, human collective consciousness traveling concept. I love it. Yeah, we we went to that uh, Gettysburg event in the summer, and we we decided at some point to like stop and like get one drink in some place in Pennsylvania. Hamburg, Pennsylvania. Dude. Yeah, so it was a zony little town. We saw a sign that said Hamburg, Pennsylvania. No, and it's like no, we had to stop because I was I was about I was about twenty miles from running out of fuel. Like, sure, sure. Like the light came on, and I was like, uh oh, <laughs> you got to stop. So yep. the sign says Hamburg, Pennsylvania. Yep. So we go there, and uh, yeah, it was a really kind of uh, it was a cool place. It was a yeah. unique town with with character and we went to like a, a brewery there yeah, and got dude. a drink and you know that was uh very enjoyable and yeah. was uh, one of the things that i'll remember about that whole event experience totally, that man. stop that was wound up being uh really cool you know yeah that was super fun that yeah. was super super fun you know i think uh obviously look um this doesn't happen often but i mean there have been a lot of uh terrible things Right. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And I think I probably have talked about some of those on the podcast in the past on yeah. the various horror stories <laughs> reenacting episode. Uh, when my, my car broke down in an event and then I, I lost my car, the whereabouts <laughs> of it were unknown Horrific. for weeks. Yeah, that was a true nightmare. We saw like a car on fire going to Gettysburg, did we not? You know, We did. Like, we saw. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, yeah. it wasn't our car. Yeah, it wasn't our car. You know, I, yeah. I got into a bad accident on the way back yeah, from a reenactment one time where there was a terrible accident on the other side of the highway and the front end of one of the cars was became detached and flew through the air ah! over the median and then smashed into the front of my car. Ah! And uh, the funny thing is I drove all the way to like where I was. I had some other pe- people yeah. in my car, some other guys in my group, and I went to go drop them off and I saw a big jagged piece of the other car sticking out of my radiator. Ah! And just kind of instinctively I grabbed it and pulled it out and all the coolant drained out of my wow. radiator onto the ground wow. and that was it. Wow. The car was not, not going to drive again. I mentioned that, like, weird flat tire that happened to me going to that Stalingrad event, you know, like, yeah, um, just also, do you remember when we were going to the last Stalingrad in 2020, and we were, we went to the Waffle House in Scranton, Pennsylvania, at, like, three in the morning, and there was, like, we were, like, the only people there aside from this, like, sketchy dude and this like woman you know yeah who was probably like a prostitute yeah, or whatever yeah. and the guy looked like he was on drugs and i'm just like this is scary like this is weird you know i used to work third shift at a gas station yeah. and uh one of the things i learned from that is that there are people that only come out at night for a reason yeah the animals only come out at night yeah, you know and yeah there you know i'm obviously uh you know i'm not i'm not pretending that i'm some kind of like um hardened criminal element that's totally you know, inured to the horrors, horrors yeah. of, of the world. But I'm also saying I'm not like, you know, some kind of like sheltered guy who's never yeah. been around like a, a rough situation, right? Yeah. But like, yeah, there are things that you can encounter on the road at night, uh, three o'clock in the morning when you stop in a place where you don't know really where you are when you get out of the car. Spooky. That can be spooky. Like, it can be yeah. dangerous. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Better be packing heat, I kid. <laughs> Yeah, that could probably do more harm than good. <laughs> um, uh, you know, our friends, uh, some of our friends came up with a really funny idea for like a board game. Or like a, <laughs> and on. so it was like going to be a game. It was the game is is that you have to get to the reenactment. Yeah. And you like roll dice and move on a board yeah. and, and then maybe things happen to you. Like, oh, you, you land on a space that's like you get a flat tire or, yeah. or you know, you land on a space that that's a good thing that can yeah. happen to you. But we were joking that prior to starting off, you would choose your driver and that depending on who was driving, yeah. that would come with yeah. a set of pluses and minuses. Yeah. And you, yeah. you, part yeah. of the strategy of the game was going to be choosing the best driver. Yeah. So, for example... And this is based on the unique characteristics of our the people in our friend group who might be driving. It's yeah. like if you go with this person, you're going to go one day later. Yeah. You know, if you go with this person, yeah. this person drives extremely fast. Yeah. This person drives <laughs> drives slower. This person, their car might break yeah. down. <laughs> you know, like the fast person, like probably going to get to the event first, but like highest chance of getting a speeding getting, ticket yeah, or accident a, or whatever. Right. You know? Right. Like, right. Yeah. And it's yeah, you know, yeah. There's like a slow and steady yeah. guy. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. There's like a guy who like can't get off work you know so right. like always leaves a day later you yeah know? just like, like you pick your departure yeah. time but then it, it is revealed that you will leave two to four hours <laughs> later because or like you got a friend who's always late you know like right. can't blame him he's just always late so yeah. so yeah and then it would be like a game yeah. and the, the winner is the person the first person yeah. to get to the event. so i feel like everybody could play like different you know friend groups throughout reenacting could maybe play this with different people in their social circles sure <laughs> 
Um, oh my well, look, God. there is something really awesome about being the first person to an event. Oh, yeah. And I used to do it a lot. And lately, I don't do it as much because my work schedule, you know, like sure. uh, my job uh, requires a different level of attentiveness sure. um, than it used to. But I remember one time uh, getting to the Gap event. And this was an event that drew more than a thousand reenactors. Yep. And getting there on like Tuesday at 10 a.m. or something. Nice, dude. And, and giant empty parking lot <laughs> with just the car that I rode down there in and like hopping out of the car like boots on the ground like of all the thousands and thousands of people not thousands thousands but like the 1200 people right yeah I was the first hundreds and hundreds yeah you know? hundreds and hundreds it's like being the first person at like the giant fairground you know or like you know like you know the like the field with the circus is coming to town, but the circus sure. isn't there yet. Right, you know? it's, like, yeah, it's going to be big tops and elephants in yeah. like two days, but like right now it's yeah. just you in an empty space. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God. Ever, I mean, I guess I, I can speak more of this than some people, but uh, I should probably talk about the event where I earned the, the nickname Logistical Nightmare. So yeah, let's hear it. Um, so this was this was five, this was six years ago now. So I was still in college, um, and we were going to do an event as Spanish Blue Division in Pennsylvania. And at this time, I didn't have a car. I think I did have my license, but I didn't have access to a car at that point in time. Um, yeah, so I was going to school in Boston, and I needed to take a train down to go to the event. And so I, you know, I, 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 I had to buy an Amtrak ticket. And at that time in my life, I was working at a restaurant at bussing tables, I think, and yeah, I got paid in cash, and I was only working part-time, and you know, the Amtrak ticket, I think it was like 150 bucks, it like wiped me out of like a, you know, a significant amount of money for what I had at that time, um, but I had all this cash, and I had to go to a bank to deposit it, and so, you know, my bank branch, I didn't want to like get hit with any fees, so I like walked down, or I like walked a you know, a number of blocks to the nearest, you know, branch of my bank. And I'm, like, walking into the bank, and this kind of sketchy-looking guy is, like, walking past me very quickly out of the bank. So we pass each other in, like, the atrium. And so I get inside the bank ready to deposit my money because I had, you know, probably, like, $200 in cash on me. And somebody says, we just got robbed. And the guy who had been walking out of the bank had been a robber. Now, I don't think he... He didn't violently rob the place. I think he, like, handed a note saying, like, I have a gun or I have a bomb, give me money. And, like, they... So they, they had to do it, you know? And so, anyways. Um, so I remember, you know, when the tellers excitedly, but, you know, professionally enough, says, okay, everybody who saw him, like, write down everything that, like, you recognized about him. And... Don't talk to anybody because, you know, if you start talking to each other, you know, like the first, I don't know, like few minutes of memory are, are key because if you talk to the people, like memories can get mixed. Memory is a funny thing. And so, like, I write out in a piece of paper, like, you know, what I thought the guy looked at. And uh, the FBI, I think, and it was either the FBI or Boston police, but yeah, like some, you know, you know, agents were investigating this crime that I had bore witness to on my way to do a reenactment related thing. And so I got called in, um, you know, a few hours later because I gave my phone number to talk to these uh, agents of the law. And so, so like, basically what they wanted to know was, if I, if, like, they caught this guy, could I pick him out of a lineup? And I'm like, yeah, I could pick him out of a lineup. And the guy's like, are you sure, you know? And I'm like, 
yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, he kind of looked like my uncle. And, uh, you know, because, you know, actually he did actually kind of look like my uncle, who I will say is kind of a jerk, although this wasn't my uncle. Um, but uh, one of the agents kind of like Riley remarked to me, like, we don't start, we don't need to start investigating your uncle now, do we? And I'm like, no, 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 I don't hate him that much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so anyways, I like, I, I, I deposited the money, I bought a train ticket, and... I got on this Amtrak train going down to Pennsylvania, and so I had to take a tr I had to like take a train through the night, which was really cool. It's the, the only time I think I've ever taken a train most of the way to an event. Um, no, I took that train. I went to Switzerland, but um, yeah. And uh, then I get picked up by our friend Jose, who drives me from like I think Maryland, technically it was, to middle of nowhere Pennsylvania. And it was uh, this, like, extremely long, you know, series of events that earned me the moniker of Logistical Nightmare. Excellent. <laughs> now, you, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and you mentioned that you have taken basically almost every conveyance. I believe I have. Um, like, road, uh, rail, which I just mentioned, um, uh, air, I've, uh, you know, I, I flew to that event in Indiana, I flew to events in Europe, and uh, boats. The last one I had to think a bit on, but you remember that time you, me, and Jenya rode out to that island to do like a little immersion? Sure. So yeah, I've that's done them cool. all. I mean, that's different from like a, a ferry or no, like I know ocean that. liner, I know but that. it is I technically a boat. Yeah, it's technically a boat. Boat so, out there. On a technicality, yes. Sure. So. Um, and what, 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 what do you prefer? Like, what's your ideal travel? Drive myself, dude. Yeah. Drive myself. Sure. Although I will say, I mean, if the event is like a million miles away, but I really want to go, I'll fly. I'll, I'll, I will consider flying, you know. You know, flying uh, is is something that we could probably, I have never done it. You did that is to say, I've never flown to a reenactment. Yeah. You, we could probably do a whole episode where you just talk about flying to events. Because, sure. Um, sure. It's like, know. there's, there's, you know, I, it, it, it gives me more anxiety than driving because I feel like I, I have to check it back if I'm bringing a certain amount of stuff and it's out of my hands, you know, it's in the hands of, uh, you know, the airline and what if it's like left behind, you know? So like, yeah, I prefer to pack everything in my car and go to the event if possible. Sure. And, and I think, you know, I, I like a good, I like a good road trip. Yeah. You know? Same I dude. Do. Same. Um, the, the events that are that are ten hours away—that's yeah. a grueling thing. But like a six-hour road trip feels feels good to sure. me. Sure. You know? oh, one more I just thought of. Back to sort of quasi horror stories. You know, just like funny things that happened. Do you remember my old car, the Volvo? I do. So I had this I had this Volvo station wagon. I called it the Swede wagon. I really liked that car. It was my first car ever. Um, and it was like from 2005, I think, like XC70, if I'm not mistaken. But anyways, um, so we were going, myself, Chris, and Jenya are going to that event in uh, Odessa, New York. And the car is behaving weird. It's been behaving weird for a while, but like, like I, I put my, I put my foot down on the gas, and it feels underpowered. You know, like the engine felt like it was making weird bucking noises. Um, and to top it all off. So, I had the brilliant idea of decanting kerosene from a, a for a lantern from the plastic bottle that it came in into a glass bottle. But when I was packing my car, I busted the glass bottle. Like I guess my idea had been that you know I like 
my my container for the for the lantern fuel is going to be period correct, and so like I won't need to worry about any kind of defarbing on scene, you know. Like if I need to refuel my lantern, I have like a period container there. But I bust the container and probably spilled, you know, like a significant quantity of kerosene into my vehicle, and it like it soaked all in the floor and it reeked, and so we started calling the vehicle. Um, Kerosene Dream. Kerosene Dream. Yeah, Kerosene Dream. And as I recall, I had to drive home from that event. Yeah. In with, with the car struggling to achieve highway speeds. Yeah. Uh, huffing the fumes. Yeah. Uh, that was one of those trips that you know I I don't think back on with super. Uh, no, fondness. no, 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 no. And like I, I, I think that's probably uh, the closest uh, you can you know one can get to maybe like Charles Lindbergh's Crossing of the Atlantic. Sure. You know, like the travel in an airplane from the early 20th century, you know, like, yeah. yeah. Puffing fumes yeah, and like uh, are, are yeah. you going to crash? Yeah, yeah totally. are you going to crash, you know, like the Vin Fizz, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I took it to the mechanic afterwards and uh, I was informed that I was 65,000 miles overdue for a change of spark plugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. nice. I, I do miss that car. It was cool. We'd take out some of our pictures from our events and we'd be sharing them with the veterans and, you know, they would say, oh, I, I don't remember who this was, or, and then we would say, oh, no, no, like, th that's us. A public show battle is a scripted battle where the um, Americans always win it is the worst thing imaginable when you're in it. I've always loved helmets from World War II and that has snowballed into, I want to get a helmet from every country from World War II. I'm insane. The Reenactors Corner, bringing history to life. Well, I think that's about. I think that's Pretty all the time much, we've yeah. got. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, thank you, Ben, for coming on again. My pleasure. My pleasure. This has been super fun. Um, thank you all to everybody out there uh, listening. I really appreciate your supporting the podcast via Patreon very much. Um, without the support of the people who donate via the Patreon, we wouldn't be doing this podcast anymore. I've got some exciting things in the works for this podcast. Um, I want to get some better equipment so that I can make better recordings um, when I'm like maybe at events or on the road or in the field or whatever. So I can uh, get like top quality audio, get some more exciting guests on the show. Um, I'd really like to thank the people who have stepped up recently and either uh, started donating to the Patreon or, or like upgraded their donation level. So uh, special thanks to Rudy, Riley, Evan, Billy, Juan Carlos, Mike, Matt, Dylan, and Jacob. Thank you guys very much. And, uh, you know, to everybody out there, uh, look, if you, if you enjoy the podcast i would appreciate it if you could um go to patreon and um it's the lowest donation level that you could donate is two dollars a month but even that little bit um adds up and helps me do stuff with this podcast so um thanks again ben thank you yeah thank you thanks to everybody for listening and to everybody out there i will see you in the field before we go you may want to check out fella kopf over at german-worldwar2.com that is german-ww2.com uh, where they sell lots of pocket litter and a lot of cool paperwork stuff 
and you can get 7% off of your next purchase there by using the discount code PODCAST2020, that is PODCAST2020, at checkout. Once again, uh, and as always, thanks to Mike, a.k.a. Retroman, for editing this podcast. Thanks, Mike.